All right, welcome to another episode of Gin and Truth. I'm the captain of this ship, Robert motherfucking Reed. I've got a tumble full of Hendrix. I got a head full of thoughts. Let's go. I'm going to slow play this one today, gang. I ain't got nothing but shit. I got nothing but time, so fuck it. I'm already fucking up. We're two minutes in. Let, let me tell y'all a little something about the dude. I was raised Christian. Shock and surprise, right? Middle-aged black guy from the Bible Belt. Of course I was raised Christian. And just in case one of you Christians are about to fire out that tired-ass talking point, pause, take that talking point, and shove it up your ass. And that's the talking point of, well, you're an atheist now, which means you were never really a Christian. That is just beyond stupid. That is like saying, door's about to close. That's like saying, because I am divorced, I never was in love with my ex-wife. Okay. Again, let me let me uh, break out the uh, the disclaimer. I am aware I am not talking about all Christians. Okay. As I belch. But the, the thing about some Christians, you guys are afraid of change. My ex-wife brought in new information. It changed how she felt about me. So she rolled out. It doesn't mean she didn't used to love me. Now, that being said, if you follow me on Twitter, you know how much I don't like her fucker. But I, I, I will never doubt that she was once in love with me. I was once in love with her. But things change. That's a sign of a rational mind. You change with new information. I used to be a Christian. And like I said in another podcast, I have read that Bible three times. I still know it quite well. And so that talking point of, well, you're never really one of us. Shut the fuck up. You don't even know my middle name. You, you don't get to make that call. But yeah, I, I was once a hardcore Christian. I'm I, and no, I, I wasn't cult level Christian. Uh, I, I know people who survived cults, who have escaped cults. Their stories have literally made me puke. Uh, apparently, Jesus is a serial rapist. Right. I, I know uh, one of the prominent cults, once upon a time, prominent cults in uh, the world, actually. Uh, Austin is was a somewhat of a hub for their escapees and some of their stories, because I got to know several of them. Oh, my God, kick the shit out of me. But I wasn't on that level. I was not in a cult, but my religious upbringing was pretty strict. Yeah, you were made to read the Bible, whether you fucked up or not. Sometimes that was used as punishment. Some of you Christians are already, ooh, now I know why he's an atheist. Yeah, shut the fuck up. No, you don't. But, um, oh, man, and even in high school, and I think about high school, uh, I went to a public high school game, and I think, of, and I love my head coach. I, there's nothing I wouldn't do for him right now. But let's keep it real. Coach Rutledge broke the law. Our, our football team, again, public high school, we didn't even try to hide it. We were a Christian-based football team. We prayed before, during, and after practice. Uh, what made us unique, lots of things made us unique other than our winning record, was um, we had this thing called classroom. We were probably 60% mental. 
40% physical. And during we had two weeks of classroom in which it was straight up a church service. Straight up a church service. And I was heavy in FCA then. And I carried that tradition all the way up to college. And college was the first time I, and I loved my college experience. There's nothing about it I wouldn't, I would change. But college was the first time that I realized maybe, maybe Christianity, well, hold on. We're, we're not the only kids on the block. Because when I was in high school, everyone was in FCA. It wasn't even a question. It wasn't even, yeah, it was, no, of course you're in fucking FCA. And then I get to college and I'm like, why, why isn't everyone in FCA? I don't seem to understand. Right. And we had this thing called shower power and shower power. I went to a big school and lots of guys on the team. And there were these two enormous gang showers. Y'all, y'all sure I've y'all seen them. There are no separations, just like 25 to, you know, 35 shower heads. And so you would cram as many guys in there and you would pray before the game and you would pray after. It was called shower power. And the one thing that always stood out to me, and this is when it really started to hit, I was like, wait, there's an option? Was uh, when we would walk out, there would be guys still at their locker getting ready for the game. And it honestly and truly confused the shit out of me, guys. I'm like, why isn't Shane, he, he's doing his pads. What? Wait, and that was one of my first moments, college, mind you, when I started to realize maybe there was another option, right? Now, that being said, I'm thinking about church services today, and I know things are different with the internet, but gang, growing up, like I just kind of hinted towards, non-belief was not an option. If you would have tapped me on my shoulder in 1981, and said atheist or atheism, I would have said, what rap group is that, right? What are those fools saying? I've never heard of that. It, it, it was not even a topic of discussion. I, I still remember the first time seeing the atheist experience. I, I was married at the time, and my ex-wife was a pretty severe Catholic, and it was just one of those you're kind of thumbing through uh, the TV channels, and this was back when they were on a shitty public access and it was a banner. It wasn't even like a, you know, like a CGI background or anything. I was like, oh, what is that? Well, I didn't watch it, but it always, uh, that stuck with me to this day. What's an atheist, right? And my point of bringing that up is I've gone to church services. I said, I think I said this in my previous uh, episode. I've gone to church services since being an atheist. 99% of them were shit. The only one that I enjoyed was uh, a friend and it was an online service, right? And, and I told her all my concerns and I'm not going to lie. I was like, that was cool. It was I, very little mention of honestly a God or a G. It was just a good uplifting talk. No one went to hell. Gay people weren't faggots. The other religions weren't wrong. I was like, oh, well, I can get with this. Yeah. But I honestly am truly thinking about all the church services and all the things I've seen online and on Twitter. Gang, when I, again, when I was a kid, we never once mentioned non-belief. We never mentioned atheists. And today's church services, it's almost half and half, at least the ones that I've seen. And it really reminds me of um, something that Coach Sullivan told us those of us that are getting recruited to play college football, 
And I still remember the quote, and I still remember the two schools he used. And it was, if the best thing Baylor can say about Texas is that Texas sucks, don't go to Baylor. Right? You should be able to sell your own product without bashing the competition. Right? And so when I see these church services, or I've gone and sat before COVID, of course, to these church services, and it's not just out there talking about atheists and atheism. It is a violent misrepresentation of what we actually are. Like the last one that I went to in person uh, was an Easter service. Some of y'all are like, what the fuck did you go to that one for? I've got, uh, yeah, I got some issues in the skull and I was having an incredibly depressive stretch of time. And a, a good friend of mine at work, God, I love that woman. Shit, I wish she would have married me instead. <laughs> Jessica, you broke my heart. But um, she was like, look, I, she recognized I was going through a hard time. She's like, look, just come to church with me and my family. It, it won't be bad. Just, you know, have some fellowship. Just be around us. And I, to this day, I, I say thank you to her for uh, showing me that kind of kindness. And I went, and I still remember her saying, you know, it's not that preachy religious stuff. That should have been my first clue because anytime I hear a Christian say, it's not a religion, it's a relationship. The, in my head, I'm like, shut the fuck up. And I'll talk about that more later. Well, it's Easter. So of course you're talking about the resurrection, right? And this guy's going on and on and on. And he started, the, the, the uh, resurrection of Jesus Christ is the most like heavily agreed upon topic in the world. You know, 100% of all Christians believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. 75% of all Muslims, and he just kept going on, and finally he got to atheist. And for whatever reason, the number sticks out in my mind. He said, even 43% of all atheists believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And my reaction was a, a very loud, was like, oh, shit. And I, didn't, I couldn't even control it. And luckily... She knows me. Jessica starts laughing. Did you catch what I just said there? If you find an atheist who believes that Jesus rode from the dead, you're not looking at an atheist. You're looking at a Christian. But my point is, we would have never talked about that when I was a Christian going to fucking uh, Sunday school into church. Now, some way, somehow, I've made it 11 minutes into this episode without blessing this episode with some of this to lovely, lovely Hendrix. You know what time it is. Hold on. Mm, delicious. Gin and truth. Let's go. So let me narrow this down, bring a little focus, and talk about today's issue. And that is... My deep-seated, white-knuckled hatred for Christian apologetics. Things have changed so much since I was a Christian. And again, gang, I was a Christian until 39. I'm pretty sure I've mentioned my best friend in every single episode. I remember a conversation, my final conversation as a Christian. And he hit me with the question that you everyone has heard. And that was, name one thing good about religion that you can't do without it. 
And I kept coming up with, I still remember, I'm sitting in my kitchen right now because I want to see my boys play outside. I don't know what Bubba's doing. This is not good at all. This isn't good. Bubba! He's eating dirt. Why is he eating dirt? But I'm sitting here in my kitchen and Simon was sitting there on my couch. And he's he knows me well. And I know him well. We don't push anything. We, we, you can't convince anyone of anything. All you can do is convey information. It's up to them to you know absorb it. And he asked me that question. I kept giving an excuse and he just wouldn't take my bullshit excuses. I was in my Christian mode. And finally, I just I remember blurting out, it just makes me feel good. <laughs> right? And the funny part about that story, that was the last Christ, uh, conversation I had as a Christian. I was at the age of 39. I pretty much became an atheist the next day. And the funny part about that story is I remember getting to a conversation at work years after. And I asked the lady at work the exact same question because she was flexing Christianity in my face. And she gave me pretty much the same bullshit excuses I gave Simon. And I bullshit you not. And I laughed when she did it. So I was like, that's bullshit. Nope, that's bullshit. Nope, tell me why. Nope, that's not. Nope, that's an excuse. Nope, 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 nope. It just makes me feel good, Robert. The exact same shit I told Simon. So it was kind of full circle there. But back to fucking Christian apologetics. Gang, I'm, I'm sure that practice of bullshittery and professional lying and tap dancing and question avoiding has been around since forever. Now, again, I've only been an atheist for like the last nine years, so I'm, I'm still playing catch up. I'm sure these fucks have been around since forever. But since the Internet, YouTube, monetization of podcasts and YouTube, these guys have gained steam. They, they are liars to the nth degree. And I even if there's a Christian listening, I know you agree with me. And let me tell you how I know that you agree with me. If you took the Christian apologetic approach to any other aspect of life, that aspect of life would fucking fail. If you went to a financial advisor and you asked them to show you projections, what are you going to do with my money? Let me see your portfolio so I can see if you're practicing what you're... If you went and they kept saying, well, you can't prove that I'm not a financial genius. Well, no, I, I want... Look, I want to retire at 62. That's a lofty goal. Now, this is how much I make. This is how much debt I have. This is what I'm willing to put. What, 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 do, you, what do you think I should be doing with my money? Right? Could you be wrong about everything you think you know about financial, dude, answer the fucking question. What, what, right? You would walk out of that office. You would not play those fucking games when it comes to your money. That's how I know you guys are on my side. You would not uh, take this in any other context. It's only designed to make believers feel good about their belief. If you're a babysitter, you, it doesn't matter how long. You and your significant other haven't had a date. You're tired of wiping Junior's ass. You're tired of being his little fucker slave. You need to get some romance back in your goddamn relationship. So the babysitter shows up. You're like, yo, uh, I, I need some references. I'm not still going to leave my kid with you. <laughs> right? What if you hurt my kid? Well, 
If there is no God, why is hurting your kid? Shut the fuck up and get out of my house. You would not take that in any other aspect of your life. That's how I know you Christians agree with me. Now I'm going to go one by one on some of these fuck faces that I just cannot stand. Let me give you my definition of Christian apologetics to start. The working definition is it is a pile of hot steaming monkey shit. That is my definition. It is question avoidance. It is topic avoidance. It is create doubt. It is spin word games. It is don't answer anything directly. And I've seen Christian apologists straight up say, don't answer any of their questions. Your job is not to defend your stance. Make them defend theirs. Even when you, the Christian, are under direct examination, they have literally said, don't answer the questions. How dishonest is that? Again, does this work in any other aspect of your life? If your husband, ladies, comes home, and dudes, if he comes home reeking of another woman's perfume, he has that freshly fucked look on his face, but you didn't have sex with him. Dinner's normally at 6 p.m. This fucker rolls in at 1 o'clock the next morning. Lipstick all over his face. And you ask, did you fuck someone else? And if his answer was, well, if there is no God, what's wrong with me sticking my dick in somebody else? You can't prove that I didn't do it. You'd slap the shit out of him. You'd get the best divorce attorney you could possibly find. You'd take his monkey ass to the cleaners and you know I'm right. This is what they do. Let's start with the most obvious, side 10 fucking Bruggen Kate. Now, he was one of the first ones I saw. Oh, here we go. Papa, stop it. What are they doing? Jesus. You're not going to hear me yet. For me, yelling out my dog, that's a little bit of this delicious ass Hendrix. Hold on. You know what time it is. Gin and truth. Let's go. Side 10 Bruggen Kate. I remember listening the first time I heard the word presuppositional apologetics, I thought it was a typo. Just by reading it, the title, presuppositional apologetics, means you have a huge presupposition. That just sounds right to me, especially when I first started this road. It just sounded like I'm admitting that I'm lying. That is literally the first thing I thought. When I was like, does he mean to put that out there where people can read it? And sure enough, that is exactly how he argued. And here's the thing. Even if he was allowed to debate and shit like that, because apparently he sinned. See, Ted Haggard. Uh, his debate tactic isn't a debate tactic. Cy Tim Bruggengate, just like all the other fuckers, have a script. And for those of you who have listened to him talk, What's the first thing that fucker always says? Could you be wrong about everything you claim to know? That's how that fucker starts every single debate. Nine times out of ten, I've only heard one person say no. 
It's like, no, that's just, that's not really possible, right? Nine times out of 10, everyone's going to say, yeah, I guess. I mean, if you're being philosophically honest, you're like, yeah, I guess you, you know, the whole, could you be in the matrix? Like, I guess, sure, right? The moment you say yes, as far as they're concerned, the debate is over. Actually, to them, the debate is over just because you showed up, right? Just because you said a word proves that my God exists, therefore I win. Really, dude? And the big thing about Psy, and it took me, the reason why I listened to Psy so much in the beginning is because I love puzzles. I wasn't looking to be converted to Christianity. Fuck no. But it was a puzzle. Trying to figure out what are the catch, every, claim. He said claim to know, right? You, it was a puzzle. That's why I enjoyed it. No way that bullshit convinces somebody that there's a God. And if, and if it does, Gang, if you don't know me by now, you know I am raw as shit. If that shit convinces you, you are desperate. You are desperate. I'm not even saying that to be mean. You are desperate for something. Because if you bite on that and it's like, that makes sense, you're desperate intellectually. You're being lazy. Now back to fucking side. So again, the moment you say, yes, I could be wrong about everything I claim to know, in his mind, he's got you. Because now, every time he asks you a question or you give a response, he says you could be wrong about that. Okay, yeah, sure. But let me sum up Tin's bullshit right here, right now. Psy lives off of double meanings, uh, uh, definitions, and probability versus possibility, Right? Is it absolutely true that there's no absolutes? Uh, yeah, I guess. See, I got you. You said the word absolute. Okay. Here's the thing about like absolute. There's kind of two common definitions. One is just an emphatic yeah. Like if you know me, I love pizza. Hey, big guy, we're going to have pizza after work. You want to come and get some? Oh, absolutely. You're just saying hell yeah. The other definition of absolute is a standard by which there is no other comparison. Michael Jordan is absolutely the best basketball player ever. What makes you think that, Robert? You ever notice how everyone is always the next Michael Jordan? Right? He set the, So Psy is going off of absolutely number two, where most people are just saying absolutely number one. Right? Is it absolutely true? Yeah. We're saying, hell yeah, he's taking it as standard by which there is no comparison. And in some ways, I think he knows that he's just fucking lying. Now, the other thing he likes to do is he mistakes possibility and probability, right? Is it possible that you could be wrong about everything you claim to know? Okay, yeah, sure. But is it, is it what's the probability of that, Right? I mean, again, could I be wrong about everything I claim to know? Yes, yeah, sure. But the probability is slim to none. Why? Because I'm knocking on 50's door. I would have died by now if my ability to translate real-world information was so poor. I would have died long ago. Car accident. Again, I like Hendrix, obviously. Hendrix! I said Hendrix. Hold on. You know what time it is. Gin and truth. Let's go. So I know 
that black bottle with the white lettering. Did I say that right? Yeah, I'm looking right at it. That's Hendrix. I know to pour that in a glass and drink it. I don't do that when I go to the gas station. I put that nozzle in my car. That liquid is poisonous. So again, possibility or probability. Is it possible? Yeah, sure. If you just want to play the philosophical mumbo jumbo game, but what's the probability, folks? There's where side gets you. That's the bullshit of he and Eric Hoven. That's what they do. That's what the fuck they do. That's their game. They are professional liars. Now, moving on. William Lane Fuckface Craig. William Lane Craig's song and dance is that fucking Kalam cosmological argument. I'm not even going to bother to look up all four fucking steps because the first one dunks on the entire Kalam. Everything that came to exist has a cause. Now, let me tell you why that's fucked up. Because when I, again, when I first started going down this road and researching atheism and then like, oh, again, I was just going down there looking for information about myself, but you can't YouTube atheists without seeing these fucking debates. So I was like, okay, I'll take a listen. Again, in the beginning, just like Cy, who got me, because I didn't know what time it was, I fell for the William Lane Craig shit. I was like, oh, maybe I made a bad choice. No, everything that comes into existence has a cause, right? What is it? The earth came into existence, therefore the earth has a, uh, what the fuck? Okay. Comes into existence. That's where he gets you. No scientist worth their salt has said with any kind of definity that the universe has a beginning. And despite all the tortured quotes they'll find from Stephen Hawkins or someone like that, science has not said we had a beginning. No one has proven what happened literally half a second before the Big Bang. We don't know. The consensus is we don't know. So he continues to trot out everything that comes into an existence has a cause. And again, this is how I know these level uh, apologists are fucking liars. He, like Turk, who I'll dunk on a little bit later, they love to tout that they are doctors. They love to tout that they are doctors. Gang, some, my best friend is a doctor. He's a legitimate fucking doctor. He's smart. One of the smartest people I've ever met. He is a doctor, a real doctor. I, I train several people at work. They too are doctors, not the medical kind. These are brilliant women, movers and shakers with degrees from universities whose name you would readily identify. Not that, what was that? What is Kent Hovind? Like Freedom University or some shit like that? Patriot University? It's literally a trailer. You, you would get more dignity by saying you ordered it from a fucking Cracker Jack box. At least we know what that is, right? So he loves to tell that he's a PhD and he only debates people with PhDs. He's not going to give scrub-a-dubs like me an audience because I'm beneath him. Well, he fucked around and he debated Sean Carroll. And I hope I can get this in. 
because I'm going on the 28 minute mark. And the reason why that is will go down in history as one of my favorite debates to watch because Sean Carroll didn't own him. He didn't epically destroy him. He, he did it. He actually educated him. And I'm going to tell you what, I'm not going to stress out over the time because again, I'm getting better at this podcasting shit. We're coming up on halftime. Y'all know exactly my routine. I am going to drain the weasel. I am going to freshen up this motherfucking Hendrix. And then I'm going to come back and do part two of this fucking episode. Gin and truth. Let's go. <laughs> 